Mike, I want to ask you something. All right, Alex, what is it that you would like to ask me? What is the biggest fear that we have collectively had about this podcast? The biggest fear? Yes. Uh, that, oh, uh, that, that we would get uh, cornered by the FBI and they would start looking into our tax evasion stuff. Okay, what was the second biggest fear that we've had on this podcast? That we would accidentally start talking Latin and summon a demon. Okay, what's like the eighth scariest thing that we've talked about accidentally happening on this podcast? Oh, accidentally becoming cult leaders? <sighs> yes, what I'm referring to, well, that actually works better than what I was referring to. <laughs> Oh, what were you referring to? <laughs> I, I was thought you were doing this as a segue. What was? What were you referring no, to, Alex? That was smart. That was good. That was better than mine. What I was thinking is um, the fear that we accidentally decide to cover the exact same thing on an episode like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, yes, that is a concern, but on the totem pole, if you when you say the greatest fear, I think of, like, life-threatening possible, uh, you know, apocalypse starting things mike this is a very this is a very low stakes podcast yeah i guess so no i ask um you never know alex you never know you never know i ask because this week uh we we both were to research about a specific cult and report back our findings and teach each other about stuff i picked probably the most i don't want to say the most michael cult i've ever seen but like the cult that would definitely fascinate you the most. And I'm kind of, okay. and I, I, I think there's a decent chance that we picked the same cult if I know you. So we'll see. All right. <laughs> I, I, well, I'll say this. Well, my cult, uh, when I was reading this, it was not like a cult that I would be like, wow, I'm in, you know, like it, it didn't, it didn't no, strike me as not, a cult that would, uh, not I would actually way. get into. Not in that uh, way. My, my cult's like kind of sci-fi is what I kind of meant. Oh yeah. Mine's not sci-fi. So we avoided it again. Oh, okay. So we should be good. Hooray. It'll we happen. Did it. It'll happen we... eventually. I'm so excited for when it will happen. Cause I have no idea what that episode's going to be like. But yeah, I, I mean, we would just we would actually have an intelligent discussion and go in depth on the details about the thing that we were talking about. Yeah, but one, no, one that's of, not today. One not of, today. Usually, our best episodes, in my opinion, are when we both go into the exact same thing or do the exact same thing for a week, and then we can compare our experiences. This is more yeah. just like I tell you what I learned, and then you tell me what I learned, and then we pick from the bucket. Yeah, that sure is what this formula is going to be. It's we're we're uh, we're growing together, but individually. Yeah. Hooray! Well, um, I think I've alluded it to alluded to it long enough. I'm just super curious to hear. Just I, I want to know the name of your cult that that you picked to well, research. Before we actually start that, let's introduce ourselves. Oh, Welcome yeah. everybody to the weekly undertaking. This is the weekly undertaking. Yeah, I'm Alex. I'm Mike. I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we are. Uh, this is the podcast where we do weird things every week, and we talk about them on air. Exactly. Uh, we don't. We don't always do uh, cults or true crime or anything like that. This we kind of do a mishmash of whatever strikes our fancy every day. But this is for our for this week. We decided to uh, look start into cults. to go into 
cult. Yeah, no, normally what's on par for us is, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example, like doing stupid that stuff. We, that we think is fun. Like only turning left for a day. That was something we did at one point, and it was Why stupid. Why is that the one? That was the weirdest episode we've ever done. Why are you using that as the example? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we also did like the egg drop. Um and we did a lot. We've done a lot of research episodes, actually. Now that I think about it, we have done a few research episodes. So we've had some experience with this. Yes, and this but, is yeah. a research episode, very much so. Yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to uh, to it because you are very good at doing research, and I'm very good at looking stuff up on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So uh, we we both have stories to tell, um, and they will be. Interesting, regardless of of what the reality is. Um, but yeah, what is your? You mentioned on the podcast uh, last week that you are very interested in cults. So, what's your? This is a weird question, but I'm going to uh-huh. stick with it. What is your experience with cults? That, that that's the worst way you could have phrased that. First of all, I am not backing down from it. I have personally zero experience with any cults firsthand. Um, okay. I'm just going to let that up right right up front. But I do find them incredibly interesting based on the psychology. It sounded like you were, like were going to say, I have no experience with cult, with uh, a cult firsthand. I do, however, have experience with the truth, and you can join <laughs> for, for this. Um, uh, no, um, I'm, not, I'm not offering continue, you any fake, fake things now. I, I love the idea of someone being able to manipulate others into doing their bidding um, while convincing them it's for their own benefit. Because we do see that mm-hmm. all the time in the mainstream world. Um, and it's like in different ways that are that are accepted globally um, yeah. because it's too big to see. But on, this, on these smaller scales, when it's just these little communities that not a lot of people outside of them understand or agree with um, or see that the leader is taking advantage of them it's just interesting Mm -hmm. to do a case study because it's also just it's interesting to see the type of the people that get won over into cults because it usually is um vulnerable people who just need somewhere to go right and it also strikes me as interesting because like i don't know about you but a lot of the cults that i've that i've learned about through true crime podcasts or whatever um tend to be like they get a lot of people from one specific area and Mm -hmm. i mean i guess that makes sense because of community building and stuff like that but like um from an outside perspective from someone that is not firsthand dealing with the uh always invariably charismatic cult leaders you know it seems kind of like the question always is raised in my mind of like wow how do people even fall for this how do you even convince people that you are talking to aliens or whatever the cult thing is i mean it's Um, it's interesting because i mean i learned i've learned a little bit about it but the basic idea is you you start with them you start slow you start small you just introduce like basic ideals that seem like uh obvious to them like for example last week i talked about um bhagwan and his uh his cult and just the introduction was an idea of sexual freedom and expression um, and meditation and 
being true to your own self. And that's how people join. And then as yeah. you go along. And, and that's, one of the cults, that's one of the cults that I actually can understand why people got involved on. Because if the pitch is you can have as much sex as you want with whoever you want, I can understand why people would get on board with that. Yeah. Sex um, cults are, uh, are very appealing for very obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah, it sex sells. It's the same reason that you know you have all these models debuting all the. Uh, it's why you get like Chris Hemsworth, Jack to play Thor. It's not that I mean he's a great actor regardless, but there's a reason why you need the six pack. Oh yeah, no, you got to look at those cut, those cut meat slabs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, anyway, as um, you know, once you introduce people to those like almost like like logical and understandable points of reference you then slowly build on that and getting a little bit more absurd each time. And even though it gets a little more absurd, the person like chooses even subconsciously to completely and blindly accept it because to dismiss that as false is to dismiss everything they've done with the cult up until then as false. And that's true. That would mean admitting that they've spent maybe like the last few months or even last few years or decades living a lie and it's just too hard mm -hmm. to leave at that point. It's too hard to yeah. say, I was wrong all this time. It's easier just to drink the Kool-Aid. That, that was a dark just joke. Just to go all the way in. Yeah, Sorry. I hear you. And, and don't get me wrong. It's also like, there is also it's also very hard to determine uh, what the um, definition of a cult is, as I think we, we talked a little bit about last week. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because it's like... There is no solid definition for a cult. It's it's mostly loosely a religion I disagree with. And it, it's hard to dismiss cults without dismissing the larger religions as cults that just have a few more people. I mean, uh, I think the defining factor for me uh, of how to identify a cult is it is about praising directly or indirectly praising and appreciating like godly like like god status uh praising someone who is the like de facto leader of the religion like mm -hmm. that is super I see cool what you're saying like if someone if someone says hey guys you can talk to god and he's me that's a, that might be a dead giveaway yeah like uh, if uh like for christianity like no one's going to the church to praise the priest specifically like no one's there appreciating that person like they're the god yeah, and I think that, I hear you. But then again, th then again, I think about like um, I mean, Christianity is a bad example because you could say that Jesus never didn't actually start Christianity. Paul did because Jesus was just trying to reform Judaism, and then it it, it got a little bit it, it turned into a different vision than what I think he initially had in mind. Uh, but there are other religions that do start with with uh that kind of thing. Like I think the Buddha. I mean, he never wanted to be worshipped, but he, I think he promoted himself to be, you know, um, the main, the main teacher of the whole religion. Mm, interesting. You know? Well, I mean, it's also about, like, it's also about the mentality of the leader, I would say. Like, if they got into it to get that appreciation and that worship, then it's definitely more mm -hmm. cult-like. But if someone truly believes they have a good, vi like, a good way of teaching that they want to share with someone... Um, whether or not it's religious and they try their best to help others and then they die and then it lives on, then I think it maybe mm -hmm. even be less cult-like. And it's also obviously another yep. big thing about cults is that they restrict you from 
like go like being outside or or like talking to your families or loved ones or anyone that's not in the cult because then it's easier to see that the cult is not correct you know that's a, well that that's not true of all cults but it is a dead giveaway of a very problematic cult if uh, you can't talk to anyone who is not a part of it. That's that's very true. That is true. Um, that you are correct. And I, I like that distinction. That if if you're going for, um, you know, if you're trying to teach someone about a, an idea that you think can benefit people, if that's your focus, that's uh, that's a. I can I can see that distinction. That makes a lot of sense to me. Top that, ten uh, that, signs you might be a sign of a more legitimate faith. Sorry, I interrupted you with a joke. Oh, what was your joke? Uh, top 10 signs you might be in a cult. Yeah, top 10 signs. Well, I have a lot of those signs in uh, in, in the ones that I, in the cult that I'm going to be discussing today. Well, would you like but, to tell uh, me about that then? Mm-hmm. Would Say it you, again? Would you like to tell me about that cult then? Because we're about ready sure, to move sure. on. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, let's dive into it, I guess. I'm really excited. Um, I- Say again. I'm sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. We're we're doing this uh, remotely because of the current world situation. So yes. bear with us. If but, it was uh, not obvious, say, I'm sorry, Alec. I was just saying, like you know, I'm I'm ready. Like go for it. Oh, all right. Um. Well, so my uh my cult that I'm going to be talking about today is the Branch Davidian. I've which, never uh, even heard of this. Yeah. You have you heard of this? No, I haven't. Oh, well, I'm actually surprised because this was a very uh, famous incident that happened in the, uh, I believe, 1993, the incident occurred. uh, And it was one of the more famous uh, cult-like incidents to ever occur in American history. Ooh. Um, But let's, uh, so the leader of the 1993 incident was a man by the name of David Koresh. uh, But the cult itself or the faith itself, let's say, because this cult does, I think David Koresh's French Davidians is absolutely a cult. Uh, <laughs> but the the faith itself kind of straddles the line, as uh, as we'll see as we go through this. It kind of straddles the line between, like, uh, is this a cult, is this not a cult? Okay. Um, but, okay. Uh, David Koresh is most associated, but like I said, but it began before him. It actually originated in 1930 Ooh. after a man named Victor Houteff. I think I'm pronouncing that right, but I don't know for sure. Uh, he actually broke off from the Seventh-day Adventists, which is a, a sect of Christianity. Um, hmm. Now, the Seventh-day... Now, this is actually a thing that I've noticed in a lot of different cults that uh, I've heard about through podcasts or through my own reading in, in the years the more successful cults kind of start with a faith that is already accepted and then just kind of takes it one step further. I mean, that's logical, um, right? Because uh, when it's familiar to something, it's easier for the people who already follow that religion to come aboard for you. To you, I mean. Yeah. 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 Uh, the only thing I will say is that this... Mike, <laughs> specifics of the of the faith. I'm gonna but stop you. Core... I'm gonna stop you. you. You you broke out for like half that statement. Okay, what I was saying is I I don't have a list of the actual beliefs that uh, the Davidians started with, but um the the main crux of the of the faith 
uh, that Hautef differed from the Seventh-day Adventists was that Hautef believed that the Messiah was not Jesus. Ooh. Which, to me, seems like one of the more important beliefs in Christianity. Like, I don't know if you can consider yourself a uh, Christian proper if you don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. That's kind of the that's kind of a big thing. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something else in there that uh, a Davidian now would argue with me on. And if that's the case, okay, I'm I'm more than willing to learn. But that just seems like a pretty big thing right now. Um, but regardless, uh, how to have taught that there would be a future Davidic kingdom, basically a kingdom like that, that King David of the Old Testament had, uh, which would be in the future, which was during the apocalypse, which he thought was imminent. Cool. Well, I mean, so essentially, isn't it always imminent? Yeah. It'll probably happen at some point. I mean, the earth's going to fall into the sun. Yeah, exactly. Eventually. Well, yeah, but like, um, I think he meant imminent as in like, Next month. I know. I'm playing uh, devil's advocate. Billions and billions of years in the future. Um, But I also, I I don't know. I I kind of find that I, I find this kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. The idea that like we are going to achieve and we're finally going to achieve power and have our, our full society when the apocalypse occurs. It's like the more extreme version of that guy that's watched The Walking Dead too much, and when the zombies start walking, he's just like, I prepared for this. And then he gets eaten right away. Immediately, yeah. Immediately. Um, but uh but yeah, that's kind of what Hautef originally uh started. Okay. So um but Seventh day Adventists were not exactly uh, accepting of that because, you know, they believe Jesus is the Messiah. And so they kinda he had to he had to leave. He uh, eventually purchased a facility known as Mount Carmel in Waco, Texas. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Well, it turns out it's actually just a compound, like a place for people to live, um, which is significantly less delicious, if you ask me. But regardless, he, he purchased Mount Carmel, and that was more or less the home for the Davidians forevermore. Um, he believed that Mount Carmel would serve as the center for the divine kingdom during the apocalypse, basically like the, uh, the capital of the world. Um, and I don't know if how to forced the, uh, his followers to live in Mount Carmel, but they all did live in Mount Carmel. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I wasn't going to say anything, but I thought I was. And now I feel bad. Oh well, okay. Thanks for thanks for derailing me. You're welcome. But yeah, I mean that's that's an important distinction. I just don't know the the answer which one it is. Um, but Hautef, like all men do, died in 1955. Uh, Twenty. <laughs> all men died in 1955. Say again. All men died in 1955, Mike. Yeah, it was an epidemic. It, it was pretty bad, actually. Uh, they were just falling left and right. It was bad. Okay. But um, he died in 1955, and as we mentioned earlier, the big thing, a big thing for any new organization, whether it be a cult or a new country or or anything, is its survivability. Mm-hmm. And the original leader's death is a huge turning point 
for uh, whatever society it is. That's usually, one, yeah, that's usually when most cults fall apart is the yeah. leader's death. Yeah. And this almost fell apart. Like there was a huge rift in the community after Hautef died between two people. Uh, one was a man by the name of Benjamin Roden who claimed that he could talk to God and God told him that he was going to continue Hautef's work. Um, but the other, there was a problem with that, and that was mainly that Hautef's widow, whose name was Florence, wanted to continue the one, she wanted to be in charge, she wanted to continue to be in charge. Uh, so that was a huge rift that almost broke everybody apart. Uh, half the people followed the widow, half, half the people followed Rodin, uh, but one thing saved the world. It saved the, the organization from falling apart, and that is that Florence predicted that the world was going to end in 1959. And did now, it? Now, well, Alex, let me ask you, do you remember anything of importance that happened in 1959? Something bad happened, I know. Um, no, I don't think anything bad did happen. And if something that could be considered an apocalypse happened, I'll tell you what, we would fucking remember Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess, because yeah. yeah, it's too late for World War Two, and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was like, it was like Cold War era. Um, but the thing is that, basically, the followers noticed that 1960 rolled around, and they were like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> Nothing we're happened. All, we're all still here. What the hell? Um, and so uh, Florence just kind of left and never came back. Okay. And Rodin's followers just took over from there. All right. Um, so this is that's the history going into this. Fast forward to 1981. This is when our real story begins. A man who would later, a man named Victor Howell, who would later become David Koresh, joins the Branch Davidians. He had a huge history because he was originally a born again Christian, and then later converted to becoming a Southern Baptist, and then switched to the Seventh Day Adventist Church, where he was banished because he, quote, aggressively pursued a pastor's daughter. My God, this guy jumps quick. Yeah, he kind of does. Um, and then he joined the Branch Davidians. Uh, I should say, yeah, then he joined the Branch Davidians. Um, Havel just kind of showed up her door and claimed to be a prophet, and it kind of worked. Uh, the Branch Davidians were like, wow, this guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. He started gaining power. And he had a whole political struggle with Rodin's son, who uh, was George. He wanted to take take over after uh, Rodin, uh, who took over, who I was just talking about. After Rodin uh, died, George wanted to take over. But there was, but then George made a little mistake and murdered a man in cold blood and went to jail. So then Howell took over. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, little mistake. Just listen. Everyone makes them. Let's try not to shame him a little too much. Uh, but anyway, after that murder, Howell took over. And once he did, he changed his name to David Koresh. And here we are. Yes. So now this is where things start to get very culty. Because as I mentioned before, the Davidians' uh, primary belief is that the Messiah has not come yet. Jesus was not the Messiah uh, and it, he, the Messiah would come during the apocalypse to let the branch, to, the, to let the Davidians take over. Howell, uh, or no, um, now Korish, now began to claim that he was the Messiah. Of course. Yeah, so that everybody worshipped him. And not only that, he was smart. He then made the prophecy that 
any children born from the Messiah were therefore sacred. Aha, yep, very clever. Very clever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because everyone, and then he just had everyone lining up to have sacred kids with him. This is Uh, the longest, uh, (laughs) this is the longest play in Barney Stinson's playbook. (laughs) This would be a fucked up ending to How I Met Your Mother. (laughs) Right? Oh, I'd love it. You'll see where this is ending, but could you imagine Ted just showing up and everybody be like, hey, have you met Ted? He's the other messiah. Everybody get him. And it oh, works. That would be fucked and up. that's how and that's how I met your mothers. That's how I met your mothers. Exactly. Um, so I, I will say Korish was a pretty shitty dude because he um he had 13 kids with a lot of mothers, uh, but some of them were underage at the time that they that they gave birth um that's messed up oh that was say again that's not cool no it is it is not and actually um after koresh died um it it came a lot of the the survivors of the cult uh basically came out and said that uh koresh also molested them um but obviously that was after his death and there was there uh, before the uh before Koresh died and after before the incident that uh, this whole cult will become famous for um before all that happened the FBI and the community around started probing into Koresh for uh information on whether or not he was there was child abuse and you know sexual abuse in the uh branch davidians uh, those probes went nowhere, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't. It just means that they were secretive enough to hide any they evidence. Couldn't get any evidence until it was too late. Right. Now, I will say, the FBI plays a huge role in the story, and there is major speculation that the FBI um, began investigating the Branch Davidians because they suspected Koresh of. Uh, molestation of child abuse of uh general sexual predatory behavior that is not why the fbi were interested in uh koresh and the branch davidians they were interested in him because apparently he began building up in mount carmel a huge arsenal of illegal of illegal arms of illegal guns and uh bombs and firearms etc well that's still a concern no, I will say that it is a legitimate reason to launch an investigation. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense, considering that we expect the Branch Davidians to take over once the apocalypse begins. <laughs> You're going to need some force for that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think that's what his logic was. But regardless, uh, they launched an investigation and eventually obtained a warrant. And on February 28th, 1993... Not the FBI, but the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, which I just got to say. That's the like the four too many things to be under the same bureau. Yeah, that sounds like quite the party of a bureau. <laughs> You're not wrong. Actually, I kind of want to go to their Christmas party. I'm not going to lie. That sounds like a good time. Um, but the ATF, as they're called, uh, got a warrant and they raided the Branch Davidians to search for the guns. Um, the specifics are unclear as to what exactly happened next, but a huge gunfight broke out 
that killed five ATF agents. Wow. Five Branch Davidians. Wow. And injured 16 additional agents. My goodness. Yeah. And then the famous, then the, what eventually, what ended up happening was immediately after the fight, a standoff occurred between the Branch Davidians and the FBI. That standoff lasted 51 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just of the Branch Davidians inside the Mount Carmel compound staring out at the FBI, who I will say assembled a massive army to, 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 for the standoff. Sounds um, like reasonably so. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I personally think they went a little bit overboard. Uh, according to one reporter who was at the scene, um, the FBI had 10 Bradley tanks, two Abrams tanks, four combat engineered vehicles, 668 agents, six U.S. Customs officers, which I must say are the most out-of-place people in this group, 15 Army personnel, 13 members of the Texas National Guards, 31 Texas Rangers, 131 officers from the Texas Department of Public Safety, 17 McLennan County Sheriffs, and 18 Waco police officers. So what? That's not even like 1% of 1% of 1% of 1% of the U.S. military. You're you're not wrong, but considering <laughs> the fact that um at the time the Branch Davidians had 85 people. Okay, maybe that was a little overkill people. then. Yeah, yeah, there were 889 total people. But I mean, in this um, they yeah. killed five people who weren't with them. So that was yeah, that was pretty fucked. It was pretty fucked. And yeah, and there were to- so there were a total of 889 people that the FBI had with them. And I just want to say how ballsy it was for Koresh and the Branch Davidians to be just on the other side of that, just staring it down, just like, yeah, I think we can take them. <laughs> oh my God, did they? No, they didn't. Oh no. Well, um, well, actually, they kind of did. Um, so over the course of those 51 days, the FBI made several attempts to breach the compound. Uh, they played super loud music on speakers. That was 24 seconds in an attempt to, uh, induce sleep deprivation. Okay. Um, they, uh, also conducted 60 full hours of negotiation with David Koresh to get access to the site. How'd so, that go? As a reminder, that's 60 hours, 60 hours. That's more than two full days in which David Koresh was sitting down with the FBI who, mind you, had a warrant and staring them in the face with their 900 people behind them saying, (laughs) yeah, no, you can't. I don't know what to tell you. You can't come in. Uh, I see the warrant. You can shove that up your ass, but I, I'm just, you're just not coming in. I mean, look, I'm the Messiah. You know, it's not really up to me. It's up to them. It's up to the guy upstairs. What if I told you that like, I'm going to save the world. Have you considered that aspect of this? Uh, So how did this whole thing end then? Well, on April 19th, the FBI decided they had enough and they raided the compound with everything they had. The tanks, the army, the tear gas, uh, everything. And during that raid, a fire broke out. And the source of that, I will add, is disputed. But come on. Um, The fire broke out and 76 of the 85 Branch Davidians were killed. My goodness. Including... 
Yeah, and that includes David Koresh. So he uh, he's gone. Okay. He he's gone, and uh, like I said, the fire broke out, but. David David Koresh was found with a bullet wound in his head, so he didn't die from the fire, unless oh. the fire got a gun. He um, he, he died in in the uh, dishonorable way. Well, oh, I didn't even think of that. That's that's very possible. I was thinking more of the nine hundred people, the nine hundred suspects that were sitting right outside Mount Carmel for fifty one days. I guess they could have um, also shot him. Yeah, I mean, he didn't exactly seem like the kind of guy that would have gone quietly. But you know what? That is also disputed. We don't actually know how he died. Most if he actually did have the arsenal, he would have also had opportunity to go out the coward's way. Most cult leaders like to appear like they wouldn't take their own life if given two options of, uh, you know, of death. But most of them probably Mm -hmm. would because they are cowards. Yeah. Or at least, you know, Um, Davy Boy was. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I, I also just want to point out um david Korsh was a piece of shit for a lot of the reasons that i listed but also like he had 85 people in his in his control in this compound um and all he had to do was open the door to the fbi and say hey guys yeah you can take a look or even like hide the arsenal of guns and then let them in they were just looking for the guns yep and Still, like, oh man, I, 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 it's tragic because I mean, this could have not ended to say so that David Court deserved it. He deserved his day in court, but um, he, but like, this, there were seventy-five other French Davidians who were, I would assume, for the most part, innocent in this whole thing that uh, died as a result of his fuckery. So, um, yeah, he's he's a piece of shit. Um, I will say. That there are still Branch Davidians today. There were there were only nine survivors from the Waco massacre, mm. but um, there are still Branch Davidians today that treat this whole thing as part of their legacy. Um, so I don't mean to, uh, you know, d- uh, dismiss their their religion um, at all in any way. But I think even they should logically agree that David Koresh was manipulative and cause the suffering of many people that he definitely did not have to and deaths and deaths yes exactly well mike that was Um, a very beautiful story actually no it wasn't beautiful it was very sad well if you want to hear that story told uh in a much better way i found out while i was researching this that uh there actually is a tv show being put out right now based on this whole story oh no way it's called yeah it's called waco and it's on one of the millions of streaming services that exist. Up to you to find uh, out which one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, it, no, I don't think it was like Hulu or Netflix. I think it was like Paramount streaming services or something. Uh, um, I, I'll look it up before the end of this podcast. I will let you know where to find it if you're interested. Because that actually is a badass story that I would love to look, look in, more into. Yeah, sounds interesting. I would take a look at that. Yeah. But yeah, that is uh, the story of the Branch Davidians. Awesome. All right, so what cult did you look into? What's the sci-fi cult that I'm going to love? Mike, let me tell you about... Okay, you're not going to love it. I just said you would enjoy learning about it because it's sci-fi related. Okay, okay. Let me tell you the story of Heaven's Gate. Oh, I heard about this. I've heard the name, but I don't know too much about it. Well, Heaven's Gate 
was an American UFO religious cult based near San Diego, California. And it was founded in 1974 and led by Mr. Marshall Applewhite. Okay. And Bonnie Nettles. Okay, well, all right, good for, uh, where did, was this, were they the original founders of this cult, or did this exist before them? No, they they made this whole thing, they they created the whole damn thing, Um, and it's quite quite the tale. Um, First of all, I would just like to appreciate, the only thing I like about Marshall Applewhite is his last name. It's a cool-ass name. (laughs) It sounds like a uh, yeah. It, it is a cool last name. It sounds like a very comic book uh, hero last name. Yeah, like, like country- if his first name was Andy or something, he would definitely be like a rural superhero, yeah. like Tractor Man or some shit. Marshall Applewhite with that name, you could have been like a country folk song songwriter or something. Like oh, easily, easily. You kidding me? Like all of these fake country artists that are just like trying to break into the industry would kill for the last name of Applewhite. Yeah, no, he could have been something really good on society, but instead, on March 26, 1997, I'm going to skip to the end real quick. Members of the San Diego okay. County Sheriff's Department discovered the bodies of 39 members of this group in a house in the middle of San Diego's suburb of uh, Rancho Santa Fe. They had participated oh, They had participated in a mass suicide, uh, a coordinated series of ritual suicides in order to reach what they believed was an extraterrestrial spacecraft following comet Hale-Bopp, if I'm saying that correctly. Comet Hale-Bopp? Yeah, it was a comet that was uh, passing by Earth in around 1997. Oh, okay. So. Wow, Wow, that was only four years after the the Waco massacre. Crazy. And Jonestown, I think, happened a little bit before all this, but in this time zone. The late, you know, the the late 1900s. Yeah, the late 1900s was the time for cults, I guess. I, I guess so. Um, but then again, I, we may have just not heard about cults that are happening now yet. So we'll see. Yeah, the operative word, exactly. Yes. Um, anyway, this cult I would describe as Christianity uh, mixed with a bunch of UFO and alien appreciation. It's fascinating. Okay. So just before this mass suicide, the group's, up, group's website updated with the message... Hale-Bopp brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to conclusion. Graduation from human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world and go with T's crew. They called um, Marshall Applewhite T, by the way. Why? There's not a T in his name. (laughs) Well, it's T-E-E. Um, and they called Bonnie, I think they called her Doe. So it was like Doe and T. So it was just, it was a nice, yeah, like, yin and yang rim to it. Why not just call them, what was what was Applewhite's first name? Marshall. Why not just call them Marshall and Bonnie? That, those are, that's catchy enough. I guess it kind of gives them, like, a more godlike status if they have, like, cool-ass, like, you know, majestic names. So they wanted a godlike awesome nickname and instead of going for Ishmael or something cool like that, they went for fucking T and Doe. Yeah, it's like, you know, it does sound like, you know, like 
Back in the olden days, T and Doe created the countryside. Like, you know. No, you know what it, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like those fucking the those lyrics from uh, the sound of music. Tea and what was it? Tea I, I drink with jam and bread, and that brings us back to Doe. Uh I'm I'm standing by that joke even though I butchered the ending of it. Uh but why I don't know. I mean, listen, they got power regardless of whether or not they were naming themselves after music notes. But <laughs> go go off, I guess. I guess so. Anyway, continuing with this tale, Marshall Applewhite began his foray, foray into biblical prophecy in the early 1970s after being fired from the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas, over an alleged relationship with one of his male students, he met Bonnie Nettles, a 44-year-old married nurse with an interest in theopsy, the uh, biblical prophecy. I'm going to look up what that word means. Theosophy. Any, any number of philosophies maintaining that a knowledge of God may be achieved through a spiritual ecstasy direct in tuition or special individual relations so she basically believes that you know you can become god if you believe hard enough all right well all right if i'm interpreting that correctly (laughs) okay so by june 9 uh by june by june 19th of that year uh apple white and nettle uh, their beliefs had solidified into a basic outline. They concluded that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies and that they had been given higher level minds than other people. That's really healthy to believe, that you're smarter and better yeah, than everyone I, else. I was, just, I was just about to say that, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a red flag right there saying, hey, you should listen to me. Why? Because my brain is better than yours. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's the best life lesson you can learn. Um, the people who say they are the smartest in the world are usually the stupidest. That's true. Yeah, I agree. If you have to tell me you're smart within those words, you're that's not a, smart. It's a red flag. Oh, <laughs> uh, where was I? Hang on. Um, yeah, they wrote a pamphlet, not a book, a pamphlet. That described Jesus' reincarnation as a Texan, a thinly veiled reference to Applewhite. So they're basically trying to like be like, he's this thin, like handsome dude with like, th- like you know, white hair and like, th- like kind of a big head. They were alluding that it was Marshall without saying it was him. Wait, wait, hold on. Was this like? Did they say Jesus was reincarnated, or did they? Did he like? come straight from the grave out like wearing a cowboy hat they said reincarnated they said reincarnated i was gonna say because i would have raised a few more if i was an israelite at the time and and i just saw jesus get crucified and then he just showed up wearing this weird hat that would raise a few more questions for me but okay continue cool furthermore they concluded that there were two witnesses described in the book of revelation and occasionally visited churches or other spiritual groups groups to speak of their identities, often referring to themselves as the two or the UFO two. They believed that they would be killed and then restored to life and, in view of others, transported onto a spaceship. This event, which they referred to as the demonstration, was to prove their claims. To their dismay, these ideas were poorly received by existing religious communities. (laughs) 
Can you imagine going to church one Sunday and having a like your pastor go up and be like, "All right, hey uh, guys, before we continue with the gospel, we have two visitors that want to tell you about an exciting uh, demonstration that you're doing." Okay, sure, come on up, and then they start spewing this like this UFO BS. Oh my God! How much that must yeah. have embarrassed the, the I mean, pastors. If I it's not, <laughs> if it's not super obvious by now, their basic whole idea was that they would transcend their human bodies and sort of like take up residence in a UFO and fly to the next life with the aliens, right? Because, because aliens are interested in abducting our souls, right? Exactly. Eventually, okay. Apple White and Nettles resolved to. Ugh, resolved to contact extraterrestrials, and they sought like-minded followers. They published advertisements for meetings where they recruited disciples, whom they called The Crew, at which actually is the name of my group of friends in high school as well. Yeah, I was going to say, that's actually, oh, that is the least crazy thing that I've heard from them so far. That's actually a pretty good group name. Yeah, uh, it was either Crew or Crew 5. I don't remember what we called ourselves. At the events, they... Uh, <laughs> Oh, it was Crew Love we called ourselves. This is not important to anything, oh, but this is... Not anyway. at all. Mike, we need a friend group name. I don't know if we do, Alex. No, we do, and I'm going to come up with one. Just give me a minute. Um, anyway, okay. I'm going to continue telling this story. At the yeah, events... Please, please <laughs> at the events they held, they, they purported to represent... Be, uh, they pretended to represent beings from another planet, the next level who sought participants for an experiment. They stated that those who agreed to take part in the experiment would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. In 1975, during a group meeting with 80 people, uh, they shared their simu, uh, simu simultaneous revelations that they had been told that they were two witnesses written into the Bible story of the end of time, of the end time. So this story is also about the end time. Okay, well, I'm. That's also most cults are, in, in, in to one degree or another, they're yeah. about the end of the world. Giving giving folks a deadline really helps them stay with you. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I guess so. I mean, a lot of other like I think back to Christianity. Even Christianity is like you know the second coming of Christ. That'll be the end of the world. But they were smart enough to not put a date on it. Exactly. And I think that, uh, that helps. Yeah, no, if you put a dent on it, Dick, you, you're going to have to keep some promises or you're going to have to come up with some goddamn good excuses. I was I was going to say, yeah, that's just kind of – it's kind of just embarrassing because you're, you're given yeah, – yeah, exactly. Later in 1975, the crew assembled at a hotel in Waldport, Oregon. After uh, selling all worldly possessions and saying farewell to loved ones, the group vanished from the hotel and from the public eye. Uh, that night on the CBS Evening News, Walter Cronkite reported that the group had disappeared in one very in one of the very first national reports on the developing religious group. A score of persons have disappeared. It's a mystery whether they've been taken on a so-called trip to eternity or simply been taken. In reality, they got, they got Cronkite to, to cover them. That's actually that's pretty big for the time. That is pretty cool. Um, and it is fascinating that they, even for a second, entertained the idea that maybe they did go on a UFO. <laughs> that is actually kind of funny, too. Even if it was a joke, um, they did I, acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah. 
In reality, Applewhite and Nettles had arranged for the group to go underground. From that point, Doe and T, as the two now called themselves at this point, led the nearly 100-member crew across the country, sleeping in tents and sleeping bags and begging in the streets. Evading detection by the authorities and media enabled the group to focus on Doe and T's doctrine of helping members of the crew achieve a higher evolutionary level above human to which they claimed to have already reached, but they were living out on the street. So, wait, wait, hold on a second. They were traveling the country, trying to get people to join them, so that the people that are in the crew can achieve a level of humanity that they already have reached. It's not about recruiting more people, even. It's just more about disappearing for a while, I suppose. Okay. At this point, I... I I All don't know if they really had a plan. Pretty, pretty smart. Sorry, Alex. Um, I, uh, but and all things considered, that's actually pretty smart. It's a better idea than than uh, killing yourselves and then hoping that you're right. It, to go underground and then reveal yourself later on well, and Mike, fool people into your back. We both know how this story ends. I know, but at this point, it's a logical thing. It's it it makes sense. The only problem is making sure. All 100 people that are with you keep their mouth shut forever, which is not realistic. But well, in the end, in the end, they only did get 39, which compared to 100 is 40 percent. It's improved. It is improved. Anyway, the crew used numerous methods of recruitment as they toured the United States in destination destitution. I guess they were recruiting, proclaiming the gospel okay. of higher level, higher level metamorphosis. The deceit of humans by false god spirits, envelopment with sunlight for meditative healing, and the divinity of the UFO 2 throughout the late 70s and early 80s as their belief system developed around the cult of personalities, memberships, uh, the membership grew. <sighs> it's uh, kind of ridiculous, but uh, I mean, it's another thing. Like, you get people who, like, always felt like they were too smart for their own good or they knew more than everyone mm-hmm. else. Like, this appeals yeah. to people like that who feel like they're better than everyone else. Here's the, cha- right. here's the no, chance to prove you are better than everyone else by coming and making the right choice and coming with us. That's how they get you. Yeah, that is. I mean, I can understand for someone who has low self-esteem or feels like they have something to prove. I understand how they got those people to join. I really do. Yes. Well, anyway, um, let's see. So in 1985, Nettles, Bonnie, uh, passed away. I believe of natural causes. I don't think uh, she died in any like gruesome way. Um, mm-hmm. Applewhite was left kind of on his own with the whole cult thing. And he kind of started uh, shifting the group uh, towards uh, getting a reputation for being a cyber culture form of religious thought. That was the only way really that any of the members could communicate with the outside world is through the Internet. That, um, oh, was was this like the first cult to use internet stuff? Because 90s, it wasn't really around for very long at that point. This is like the late 80s even. Like, Oh, wow. They're really, they, they kind of hopped on the bandwagon early. They also and got, that was, 
They Smart. also um, they also did make some of their money by designing websites for other people who need them. So like we had a bunch oh, of wow. nerds so on they our hand. They were they were making their money on uh, early web design. Actually, I think their website's still up today, and it looks like it was designed in the early nineties. Um, wow, which is kind so, of incredible. I mean, I mean and, look, horrible things are selling, but at the same time, great marketing. That's that's kind of cool. It worked. Um, anyway, uh, the time was uh, time was short for uh, for this group, as of course they ended up shrinking to only 39 members uh, who were ride or die at the end with uh, Marshall Applewhite. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went to this, they got this house in the suburbs of Rancho, Ranco, Ranco, and um, they r- r- recorded themselves like saying goodbye and how excited they were. All, basically all of them were so freaking pumped to move on to the next level like they were wholeheartedly convinced that what they were doing was not suicide but continuing on to the next life and they were ready to do it no hesitation and they ended up drinking a poison that becomes fatal when mixed with alcohol mixed with vodka Mm -hmm. mixed with i think orange juice if memory serves correctly Mm-hmm. Anyway, they all drank it, and then each one lied down on an individual bed and laid a purple tarp over themselves, and, well, they died. And mm. a few hours later, one of the people who ended up leaving the cult, but had a sneaking suspicion of what was going to happen, uh, tried to, well, like, decided to come see if uh, what had happened happened. And it did, and he ended up calling the police, and that's how they found everything. And I encourage you to go look up um, Heaven's Gate and see some of the footage of the cops like walking through the house. It is creepy to see all these bodies in the exact same position on each bed with a purple tarp over their head. I was going to say, like, first of all, that has to be terrifying. But also, if those, if the whoever found those recordings, that is a terrifying recording to sit through i'm sure oh my god that's creepy the guy who actually founded uh who found them all dead uh i believe to this day is still a follower of the heaven's gate religion but has stated multiple times that he has zero plans to ascend anytime but he truly does believe that all of his friends have been able to ascend but oh, he left god. the cult for all right whatever well, reasons. Look, i hope that guy uh, comes to his senses, or at the very least, does not take the step that the rest of them have, because that is horrifying. It is. Um, yeah. Oh God, that's ah, oh, that's heart. I mean, that's that's heartbreaking through and through. It's um, amazing how much the human mind can be persuaded if you chip away at it slowly. Yeah, you ain't kidding. You are not kidding. Yeah, they all went of their <laughs> own volition. There was zero struggling, unlike. Probably the most famous mass suicide, Jonestown, where like a third of them mm-hmm. were just shot because they didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me ask, actually, uh, did they believe that Bonnie, who she she died of natural causes before drinking the poison, right? Sure. I think so. I know she definitely died, but they kind of skimmed over that in all of the reports. All right. Well, my question would be like. Is it a thing of like you have to intentionally die or did she ascend to the next level without uh, 
but even though she didn't actually partake in the ceremony. That, I am that's... sure Marshall found a way to spin it. I have mm-hmm. no idea, but I'm sure he spun it. Yeah. Um, I yeah. hope that is the case. I Well, I don't hope. I mean, look, I, I, I hope that they're all at peace, which it sounds like they are, given that you said that they all seemed very happy to go. Um but holy crap, that is horrifying. It is a, it is very sad, um, and it is kind of insane how far you can go into something like this and get to the point where death sounds like an opportunity, like getting another job or finding a nice house. Well, it also sounds like what you said at the beginning of the podcast, like these people just kind of doubled down on this religion so much that the only way out of it is to see if they were right. Yeah. That's exactly it. That you couldn't have said it better yourself by quoting me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my, um, I, I need to go cry. So, can we uh, can we pick from the bucket? Well, yeah, I guess so. Let's pick from the bucket. Cool. All right. Well, that is our cult episode, and we'll talk a little bit more about it after the bucket. But for now, play the song. Woo! Time to pick from the bucket. Time to. Now, the digital bucket. What's our challenge this week, Alex? It is called. It doesn't have a name. It's about spring cleaning. Oh. We're all <laughs> slobs and we're all horrible. Um, and we definitely are all not, no one's above making a mess of themselves. So we can all use yeah. a little bit of cleaning. And that's where spring cleaning comes in. It's the time of year when it's good to start anew. It's the time of rebirth in the in the world, I guess. I don't know. So we all Alex, clean up. I want you to I want you to keep talking about spring and spring cleaning for the next hour and a half. Mike, I'm tired. So no. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, it's a spring cleaning challenge. Uh, well, I will say that um, when quarantine began, I had this idea of just like, oh, great, I'm home. Uh, well, not great, but you know, at least I'm home. It was more like start ah, getting great. around to uh, getting my life in order and organizing myself and such. But I will say, the exact opposite has happened for me. <laughs> uh, uh, my same. life has spiraled into disorder, disorderly stuff I because that's just how things go. I've actually, so this is probably a good thing for me. I've actually been decently clean um i'll talk about it more next week but uh yeah i've, I've been trying to keep it at least on the same level because i'm spending more time in my bedroom because this is the only place where i can work at my job all day all right so well yeah i'm so uh i'm not looking forward to this challenge but on the other hand it kind of sounds like this will be a fairly positive thing for yes. uh me at least, and I'm sure you too. Definitely me, and I'm looking forward to it because, uh, because yeah, we've been doing a lot of yeah. research. I'm ready to do something physical. Uh, 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 yeah, uh. Uh, as physical as we can without leaving our homes and getting within six feet of other people. Yes. Uh, but, but yeah, um, so if you're into spring cleaning uh, and, and you want to hear us talk about our adventures of trying to organize please tune in next week because we'll have a whole episode on that for you listening pleasure it's more exciting than cults 
Uh, it, it sure is. I mean, not. look, this is one that probably is not going to result in death. So that's a that's a positive. Yes, I, I appreciate you saying probably. Yeah, listen, I I don't have high hopes for either of our cleaning skills. <laughs> um, so I, I also two things. Number one, I looked it up, and uh, Waco it was originally on the Paramount Network uh, streaming service. But then Paramount realized that no one wanted to pay for a Paramount Network streaming service. And it looks like it is on Netflix right now. Hey. It's last episode aired in 2018. But it looks like it's on Netflix right now. So if you're interested in the story that I told, please go ahead and give that a look. Cool. See. And there aren't actually a, a lot of uh, a lot of long form series or documentaries about Heaven's Gate, or at least any that I found. But looking it up on YouTube, you can find a bunch of nice little five, ten minute videos describing the general ideas of, of what had happened, along with video if you're interested in seeing some sad and creepy imagery. Yeah. All right. Uh, what was your takeaway from do, from researching cult as a whole? Any any big, big takeaways before we sign off? It's that I have to always remember that when other people try to tell me there's an upside, I have to remember that. They're trying to get something out of me, too, and I should never trust anyone ever again. No, just kidding. But watch out for cults. No, I was going to say, that's a pretty bad takeaway. That's a <laughs> and depressing one. It's important to remember to think for yourself. Yeah. How about you, Mike? That's very true. What'd you learn? Yeah, think for yourself. Um, and always remember, in my mind anyway, always remember that, like, each of these individuals was also uh, – a person that thought themselves to be free thinking and intelligent because they, they were all American for both, both of us. Um, and that is something that America as a whole uh, believes in and, and praises doesn't necessarily mean that we always do it. So we have to be very careful about the people we listen to. Yes. Um, that's very, and that's also, very wise. Yeah. And also like, you know, I mentioned this briefly on the show before, but like I am pretty religious and it's very easy when you start looking at cults and looking at those things, it's very hard to uh, look at that from a critical eye and ask yourselves, well, outside of the violence perspective, uh, what's the difference between my religion and uh, this religion, except for the fact that my religion has more people? What exactly is the difference? And, you know, that leads to some uncomfortable questions, but I think it is an important one. I'm sure it, I'm sure it was, and I'm sorry I didn't even think about uh, your perspective in that way because I mean I'm not really religious at all so I oh, don't no. think twice about it yeah no don't worry I didn't think of it until right now so oh, okay. I'm glad that I'm sharing it now well um, it's still a very yeah. interesting conversation to have sure is yeah it definitely is yeah all right so uh, I guess we'll sign off now anything yeah. else you want to add before I close it out nope all good all right well, thank you all so much for listening to the weekly undertaking. This is the ninety third, I think. Uh, ninety second. Episode of not wait ninety two. Ninety what? I think ninety two, no. maybe ninety three. No. I don't remember. It's so uh, hard to keep count. This is either the ninety second or the ninety third episode of the weekly undertaking. Regardless, the point is still the same. We have ninety other episodes for your listening pleasure, plus a few bonus episodes thrown in there. So we have almost certainly covered something that you love. So go back and look at what we have talked about, and I'm sure you'll find something that interests you. Hell yeah. Um, if you like 
If you like this podcast, you found us once. Make sure you can find us again. Follow us on whatever podcasting forum you're listening to us on right now and leave us a rate and review so that we can find as many new comrades to join our uh, listening party uh, as we can. Um, yeah, uh, we have some artists that help us out. We have Adam Rudy, who does the music, and Winston De Jesus, who does the podcast cover art. Their uh, information is in the description below. Uh, so is our social media in the uh, information so give us a follow on whatever uh forum that you find us on follow, follow us on twitter follow us on instagram we don't have a tiktok because we have self-respect but we're on every <laughs> other one um i uh and uh yeah we also if you have a challenge for us to do if you want to see us do something crazy or wacky or just plain dumb we have a form in the description for you to click on and uh to suggest something for us to do hell yeah uh so go check that out if that interests you um, and I think that's all. So until next time, stay safe, stay inside. Don't forget to wash your hands and don't forget to challenge yourself. And by people enjoy straight porn more than straight people. I'm sorry. What? I'm glad you didn't hear that and try something new. All right. Bye everybody. <laughs> See you next time. That's a wrap. What exactly did you say? Because you actually did break up. I said bi people enjoy straight porn more than straight people. Why the fuck would you say that? Because it's true. I. All right. Cool. I mean, if you uh, like both people, that makes sense, right? Yeah. I, I, you can't deny it. I guess.